0: Audible, audible is not how you read books.
1: Are you on Audible, Jomo?
0: Please say no. Please I say no.
1: I hate you. Thank you. I, I, I have an
0: account. Someone
2: got me an account for that paid for like five years for free. I, I haven't actually gotten, like, read a book using it. I agree that I would rather read. And read.
0: I take back everything I just said about you, Jomo. I take it all back. Did you hear what he said, Toma? <sighs> He said he would rather read a book.
2: If you're not going to read it, I feel like you're actually not, you shouldn't engage with any of it. I feel like if someone wrote the book, you should read the book. I don't want him as a guest anymore. (laughs) Your brain is supposed to create the stuff that the voiced intonation, the pauses, all that characterization stuff. That's not usually what the author intends when they're putting a text. So that's... It's a bastardization. The book is always better than the movie for that exact reason, because, like, your brain can never be approximated. When you see a film, you're seeing somebody else's rendering, and it's not as good.
1: Yeah, I'm sticking with Audible. Fuck what y'all talking about. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of Dive in Justice, the podcast that explores building ideal communities with our less than ideal selves. I am Delma Jackson.
0: And I'm Shandine Garcia and today we're joined by a dear friend of mine Jomo who's gonna share some amazing knowledge with us today and you won't want to miss it
1: Shandine, how are you? Hmm? <laughs> how are you? <laughs> the fuck you doing? <laughs>
0: I feel like normally you ask me that a little nicer.
1: Yeah, I, I can't imagine why I'd have so much thank <laughs> in my voice right now. It's weird.
0: I can't. I can't either. So much anger, so much hostility. Do you need a hug?
1: I need you to act right. <laughs> like you got some goddamn thing.
0: <laughs> How are you, Delma? How's your week been?
1: <clears throat>
0: You're out here in on my time zone. How's it going?
1: I'm happy to be out on the West Coast um, with my partner, for sure. Always a good time. It's uh, January 6th week is how I'm thinking about it, right? One year later. Um, And I remember us having a conversation last year. Right we were on the day. phone
0: when it was happening. We were watching yeah, CNN yeah. at the same time, you and I. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um. So that's been on my mind, you know, listen to some of what Biden had to say, listen to some of what Trump had to say in response to what Biden had, had to say. And it's what you would expect, I think, from both of them, more or less. I felt like Biden saw a shot, a campaign a uh, shot and took it, you know. I think the thing that continues to, to get me about that day was a uh, relative non-response from law enforcement, from national guard, et cetera, you know, and I just keep swapping out that group for a group of folks that look more like you or a group of folks that look more like me. And then, you know, the response is going to be overwhelming violence to crush that. So the fact that that didn't happen, the fact that you still have folks, um, downplaying the significance, um, all of that is just telling. Um, I part of me wants to say it's crazy, but it's not crazy. Like you should, if you know America, you you would expect some shit like that. You know, so I can't say it's crazy, but it's it's telling. It's infuriating. Um, yeah. So this week, I think that's been on my mind a little bit. Um, just kind of revisiting all of that. And all the themes that come with that. Um, Yeah. What's up with you?
0: A little bit of that. Um, I appreciate you opening with that and um, sending you and yours big love in your family and community as they're navigating that for sure. Mm, The the reality of... Of that, because you think about the ripple effects, because you know it's in your home, you know it's in among your friends and your family, that they're all so the, like the, the layers of that. I just want to mm-hmm. offer some love. Um, I had a really, I had a really tough week, and I talked to you a little bit about it, and then I talked to um, some other people about it. And part of it, I don't know if it's coincidence, okay. I don't know if it's, I don't know what it is, but there was a series of whiteness shit and white supremacy shit that just kept piling and you know first it was you know a couple friends who were dating white people really good white humans like Mm -hmm. lovely beautiful human beings and just had to end it because it was just so hard you know a, a friend of mine in colorado and a friend of mine in california and And processing that and what that meant. And then another friend of mine, we went out dancing on Tuesday and stayed up late talking until midnight. And it was around what it's like to constantly be working in these white spaces Mm -hmm. and the toll that it takes. And then um, I uh, was thinking about starting to date again. And a friend of a friend of a friend, um, been talking with him a little bit he's white and I was like I can't do this shit I cannot do this shit again and talked to him he seemed really nice about it at first and then was like well doesn't that just make you racist and I was like I swear <laughs> to fucking god you just fucking made my point point." Uh-huh. and it was mm-hmm. that on top of that on top of that on top like just again and again and again and that next day I had a fever of, you know, mm-hmm. 99 up to 102. I didn't have COVID. I took two goddamn COVID tests. But it was just like narrative after narrative after narrative about fucking whiteness. And then I had to present um, to a bunch of scientists, these researchers, about how to see how to humanize the communities that they're working with. Mm-hmm. And then my fever spikes again. And it mm-hmm. was just this like, you know, when you're you're younger and you can do and facilitate a ton of shit and it's no big deal. And then you go and you facilitate another one and it's like fine. And then I am um, I feel like part of it I get is age, but I'm getting older and I'm exhausted more quickly. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, that's what I was talking to you a little bit last, a couple days ago. I know it's not COVID. I know it's not some infection or strep throat that I need antibiotics for. I know it's not like, is this like white supremacy illness? Like what Mm -hmm. the fuck is happening? Mm -hmm. Leading Mm -hmm. to the ultimate question of, is there a place for us? Mm -hmm. What is it? um, What does it mean (laughs) when the toll is actually, If it's happening, I could just be talking tall shit, but what does it mean if the toll is manifesting on our bodies to this degree? Mm-hmm. And especially if it's getting worse, in my opinion, as I'm getting older. Mm-hmm. And, and I, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, I had a couple Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, just tough days navigating through it. And I was talking with my brother Jonah and he was saying, you know, don't forget there are two other things at play. And one was January 6th, which is why mm-hmm. I appreciated you opening with that, because it was a good reminder of that. But he also said, also, don't forget last time this year, you were just navigating being called a savage mm-hmm. by, you know, one of the highest ranked people in education in the state. Mm-hmm. And then going into two months of medical leave to figure out what you were going to do with your life. Mm-hmm because mm-hmm. you you were saying no to that treatment, you were saying no, and you wanted to find a location where you could be your most empowered self and I guess I don't know i I don't know what the what the ultimate question is, except, is there a place for us, and can this shit fucking get easier
1: yeah i <clears throat> I wanna believe there is, but I've never seen it, not yet. Not in any sustained way, right? Like you can go to certain spaces and places and get that sense of community and a sense of usness that is helpful. Um, you know, it's like taking a supplement of sorts and it can get you through the next week, or the next month or you know, whatever. For sure. But it's not like most of us get to move in spaces and places wherein that's the norm. At least not in the context of the U.S. Um, Yeah. And then the other thing is if I spend too much time with us, however you want to define us, then I come to understand that even within the us,
0: yeah,
1: there's a fuck ton of issues. So if you leave me there long enough, it becomes y'all. <laughs> you know, it right. goes back the, to y'all. That the
0: other camps start to, to start to form. Yeah, yeah. You
1: know, because um, no matter how much we might look alike, no matter how much our histories are informed by similar events and on and on and on, we're still individuals, right? And we're still, um, like, racial solidarity is only going to take you so far. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations, particularly with um, brothers and sisters, uh, black men and women, And maybe I'm just meeting them and I'm familiar with some aspect of what they do. And we'll get to chopping it up. And I'm getting excited because we have a similar vision about some aspect of you know, politics and society. Our worldviews are really aligned and I'm feeling this sense of I'm building with this person and this is dope. And I get excited. And then the next thing you know, they say some really fucked up homophobic shit. Or they'll say something that is really, like, misogynistic. And then it's like a screeching halt. And then I get, like, I feel, like, um, all the more bitter. Because I've started heaping all of these expectations on that person. I just started making all these assumptions based on the things that they had said. And then in the minute I realized, like, oh, shit, we're not exactly on the same page across the we're not on the same page across the board, then I almost feel like they owe me something. Like, I'll get mad at them. Like, it's their fault that I projected all of that onto them. And I know that's not fair, but that's how it feels. You know, how dare you feel that way? You were checking all the boxes, what happened? But I mean, we've seen the studies that talk about the toll white supremacy takes on folks. Right. You, you do know that's a thing.
0: I know, but I'm trying to pretend that that doesn't impact me. I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and just keep moving forward and doing the work.
1: And you feel like you have to do that because...
0: I say that a little snarky, but I was I was at a retreat with um, people who I would say are are, are for the most part, part of my beloved community and when we were talking about um, this tribal college that I swear to God, if I can, I get this thing moving. I'm going to, I don't know, do something drastic. I am so angry at the unfairness of it. Like that, the, the what we have to navigate in order to do the work that we want to do. It's enraging and I feel like we spend all the time trying to figure out who's the us in the like, who can be in this community to do it? And, and, and who are we to be passing the judgment on who gets to be in this group? And I, and, and, and then all the energy that we're using to hold space and all the stuff that, that we're doing and what it takes. And it's, also fucking annoying that we're relatively good at it. That like Delma, for example, you and I can walk into that room and run that facilitation cold. Like it's like it's nothing, but it feels like lately on our trajectory to build this community and to learn the things that we want to learn and we want to do differently that the exhaustion has a different weight than it did. Four years ago, five years ago. And yeah, I know the fucking studies. I don't want to grant the premise because I don't have another option of what pathway I want to go in. I have to go down this pathway. And the more times I grant the premise, the more times I have to sit there and sit in the goddamn reality of the- yes. It's taken a toll. Yes, I've read the fucking thing. Yes, I'm sure it is probably giving me a fucking fever and sciatica and back pain and all the other shit that I'm sure it's giving me, like clogging up my goddamn arteries and all the things that we say. And I'm just livid about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like all of, the, all of the weight of the world was just particularly heavy this week. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking about the the who is the us, and and who gets to do the thing, or who's in the in the group or the club or the whatever that we'll be fine with. I hear you on the like that the camps will be there, like, and I can be in an all Indigenous world or all Mexican American world, and that shit doesn't make it magical. Because um, mm-hmm. whiteness is going to be present, but it does mean I don't have to explain nearly as fucking much. Mm-hmm. And just, I can't even imagine going through a day and not having to explain something to somebody about race.
1: I work in these uh, spaces that are predominantly white, and they're talking about how they wanna do culture change work. But it always feels like it takes forever to talk about the shit we need to be talking about because we get bogged down in their committees and their subcommittees and what Mm -hmm. time and this, this and that. And you end up spending months talking about everything except the work you're there to do.
0: Yeah, because we're too busy admiring the problem.
1: Yeah. And it's draining as fuck. I get frustrated, you know, and and sometimes I just want to tell them, like, look, call me when y'all actually ready to work. Yeah. You know, I don't have to sit through Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting listening to y'all talk about which committee is going to report back to the board about, you know, fuck off. Fuck off. Um, but here's I am, a question.
0: Do you say that?
1: Um, I have. And I let it be known, like I have a cup. And when that cup runneth over, <laughs> then that's I when you go like, here. I'm that's when you go here me go there.
0: That's a different interpretation of the cup runneth over, but I, I, I'll take it. I'll runneth take it. over.
1: <laughs> um, And a lot of times, and I tell them like, it's not your fault that January 6th happened around this time, but that's filling into my cup just the yeah. same. Yeah. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it doesn't. So if you want me to be all, you know, patient and kind and charming and all of these things that make y'all comfortable, I understand that a lot of times I want to feel like that, too. Shit, I want to feel good. We all want to feel good all the time. But that ain't life. You know? And so if I'm watching the footage from January 6th and then I sign into this Zoom meeting and we can't talk about nothing but what time the subcommittee going to talk to the to, like, I didn't have to be here. And if seeing my brown face make you feel good about what y'all are doing, find somebody else for that shit. Hell, I'll get you a cardboard cutout. I'll sign that motherfucker in and go make me some coffee somewhere. Have a cig or something. Like I can't deal with white folks pretending like they want to do the work. That's what's getting old to me. But I will say this, going back to your piece. I kind of need you to grant the premise. I know. Because I need you to take care of yourself. And you cannot take care of yourself if you're not aware of how you feel. (laughs) And taking your headphones off doesn't stop the fact that I'm recording and you're going to have to hear this shit at some point.
0: I get it. I get it. I get it. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. I see you. All right. I see you, and I hear you. And I know it's grounded not in luxury brother shit, but like actual real love for the what we're doing and actually beloved community. I get that. And I also know that you like to lecture, so that's fine, too. Um,
1: yeah, it could be both.
0: Right? <laughs> but you and I had talked before about... Um, where are the places that we can start naming this more? Like, that's why I asked you. And do you tell people like, fuck you. I don't Mm -hmm. have it fucking in me right now. I Mm -hmm. I just don't. Um, And what it means to have compassion for self in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. All of which, you know, is something I, I I struggle with. Um, So I attempted, I didn't do very well, but I did it. I would say twice on two meetings. Um, One was um, like, I was going to be teaching for uh, my brothers on, um, Thursday night, and I was like, guys, I don't have it in me. I can't, like, I am, I don't know, it's not COVID, but like, I don't know, white supremacy is like, killing me this week. I can't do it. And they were game. They're like, got it. I got you. Like, don't worry about it. We love you. Mm -hmm. Like, we'll reschedule you for next Thursday. We don't care. We love you. Um, Which is different than my actual work world. And I love people at Metropolitan Group. That's it's not it's not anti metropolitan group. But it is a professional, you know, location that is trying to learn and grow and be better in being able to show up in our fullest selves. And so you talk about C Dub and how you've got like, just an amazing ability to tell them like, I'm here, but I got some shit that's activating my nervous system. Like that's Mm -hmm. no fucking joke. I Mm -hmm. still struggle so much with being able to say it, name it and own it. And not without them, without me thinking, they're going to be like, oh, shit, that girl's got some issues. I'm not going to go to her for shit. She's she's like, I just heard she had a fucking mental health breakdown last January. Not going to go to her for shit. I just found out that that, like, my ability to pretend and show the fuck up and wear the goddamn armor Mm -hmm. is linked to my ability to pay my fucking mortgage and put my children through college. Mm -hmm. And I struggle to let that piece go and actually prioritize the facts, the fact that this shit in this work is probably fucking killing me. Like literally. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: And I think it was just, I'm hoping it was like just one of those weeks and that's what it is. And we're going to keep moving through and working and get better and working to, you know, hold each other's hearts in this journey. But it was a tough fucking week.
1: I want to, before we transition to our guest, I want to challenge you to, if you haven't already, it might be worth creating space within that group for you all to begin to have those kinds of conversations in earnest. And, you know, I think my preferred methodology is always like, let's retreat first and give it some concentrated time and then build in the sort of long term systemic stuff within the culture of the org. So that you don't have to wonder. Yeah. Because that should be, given the nature of the w- work as I understand it, um, I would think that would be something that would just be part and parcel of how y'all operate, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think there we're getting, I wouldn't say critical mass yet, but I think people are hungry for it. They want it and we're working on it. It's still mm-hmm. just, if, if like, there's no relief in that they're present yet. Like, it's mm-hmm. still me and others then doing the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I don't, I don't like, I don't know, maybe it is fucking age. I'm just getting tired. And nothing, nothing like I still, and this is what I was telling um, my brother the other day. I said, look, everything is go. Oh, then this is what he said. So I was like, everything is going fine. Like, I'm happy. I'm happy with in my personal life. I'm happy in what I'm learning. I'm happy in what I'm Mm -hmm. doing. I'm happy with like, I'm financially fucking stable with, with my gig and my boys are home and I'm like, I'm, I'm really happy and, and I'm relatively healthy for the most part. And, and Jonah was like, yeah, don't you remember when you were a teacher and you would like suck the fuck up, get through it, get through it, get through it, get through it. The second break happened all of a sudden all your defenses were down and like teachers know they always get sick over winter break. They always get sick over spring mm-hmm. break. They always get sick over fall break because suddenly they're able to like relax in their body. Then so like my guard maybe have has gone down because I'm in this ridiculous level of happiness for the most part in my work world and life. I I am I am happy. Mm-hmm. And then all this shit, like it was just like one piling after the other, after the other, mm-hmm. after the other. And I was like, And I was like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I'm like, why do I have a 102-degree fever this week? Mm -hmm. The fuck is that shit? Mm -hmm. And I appreciate the invitation. I think I'm just, like, and yes, yes, there are people there that are great and want to, you know, Vernice being one of them, who was a, a guest that went to run it, actually naming it authenticity, being in right relationship with one another, not being inauthentic, doing the thing, and... I, and i and i had a tough week.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Let's keep revisiting cuz that isn't going away for any of us.
0: I think we solved it, don't you? Like just on this conversation like i think it's it's gone now. You know, like i think we're that magical.
1: Let's see what happens next week. <laughs> And then we report I feel back. like you're
0: not trusting what I'm saying. I feel like we—that's no, 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 it. We're no, like we're no, good. It's done.
1: No, I'm just um <laughs> curious. <laughs> that's all. Just curious.
0: And I still want to challenge us to to pull in a couple people to help us engage in our cultural appropriation debate.
1: The one that you've continuously been moving closer and closer to my way of seeing it—debate that debate.
0: I'm going to learn how to edit podcasts so that I'm going to start to take over the pieces that we're editing in and editing out. I I don't know. I've been doing a shit ton of reading on it lately on cultural appropriation, like more than I read for graduate school. Cause, well, one, because I don't want to sound stupid when we come with our two guests and then you and two, because I want to win this argument. But three, yes, maybe a little bit. I'm moving You're toward moving. A, a little You're bit, moving. a little bit. Yes. You're welcome. Yes. And imagine yes. this. I did
1: all of that. Didn't read. Without reading yet.
0: anything. Yeah, whatever.
1: Didn't read nothing. Had I'm it read not... to me. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs>
0: I am not saying that yep. your way of getting information is a terrible way. I am saying No, you're saying kind of saying that. It's one, it's not the only way to. I've got all these other books that I want you to read and think about about my people. If you are truly going to engage in black and indigenous solidarity, that you need to fucking know. And no, Red Pedagogy by Sandy Grant is not on fucking Audible. Read the motherfucking book.
1: You you mean It's not audible yet.
0: I swear.
1: Is that what you're saying? You
0: know what? Ask Rita to read it out loud to you. Do that.
1: I might do that. I know. know. (laughs) Maybe our guest to read it out loud. (laughs) And we can record how I'm doing it. Uh,
0: I feel like he's got a particular opinion about people reading. Just do with that what you will. We'll invite oh, well. him when he comes on to comment about how I'm right and you're wrong. Oh, whatever. I guess. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm.
1: Well, when we come back, we are going to welcome our guest and uh Shandine's going to introduce our guest and we are so excited to have our guest. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for giving Dive Justice a listen.
0: We recognize that your time is the most valuable currency you have.
1: If you're digging the pod, there are a couple of things you could do to show your support.
0: First, head over to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. It just takes a few seconds of your time, and every review helps us grow our listenership and broadens the conversations we can have together.
1: The second thing you can do, and should do, is consider supporting the podcast by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash dive underscore in underscore justice.
0: Welcome back everybody we're so excited that you are still with us and it is such a pleasure and an honor to introduce my dear friend Dr. Brian Carey Sims. Jomo is a media psychologist and social entrepreneur invested in African liberation with over 15 years of faculty and administrative experience in university teaching and learning. He is the founder of and executive director of Jomo Works, an education management consulting firm specializing in university K-12 partnership develop development, excuse me. He's also a tenured associate professor in the Department of Psychology at Florida A&M University, where his research focuses on the implications of media for individuals, families, and communities of African descent. And I want to be clear that, that that bio only tells like a third of the amazingness of Jomo. He's working on at least four major projects at Joma Works that are revolutionary in the field of education. And those are only the ones that I know about. Two, he did this amazing project on community-driven leadership that's about to be featured at a huge webinar next month. And three, personally, Jomo was a, a, a colleague of mine and we were working on a project where things got really tense. And at its peak, There was a group of us on this call who were feeling mighty frustrated. And in one beautiful, easy invitation, he regrounded the whole group by asking us with love to lean into the learning. That these tense, difficult moments are the learnings. That's where the truth lies and an invitation to not avoid it. And it was pretty magical. And hopefully, he will tell us a little bit more of his story today welcome Jomo we're so happy you could join us
2: what up what up thank you so much for having me this I feel uh I feel damn near emotional like is this is this how it usually goes I, I you guys pouring out like that I feel like wow 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 this is this is a moment
1: thank you yeah thank you for uh, taking the time to to join us man it's good to meet you finally no, likewise. Let the, your
2: your your legend certainly precedes pre, precede you, Delma. Good to finally uh, meet you in the digital as well, my brother. Yes, sir. Any, anyone yes, sir. that Shandine speaks highly of, uh, that's 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 all I need to hear. That's all I need to hear. Uh, so, hang on hang, on, hang
0: on, hang on, hang I, I got to interrupt you right there, Delma. Please don't let our listeners know that I speak highly of Delma. What yeah, the hell are you doing me to me? <laughs>
2: Highly, <laughs> <Eileen>, she <laughs> she only has. He's going to put that on T-shirts. Say, she only has amazing things to say about you, Delma What I'm learning is she doesn't have anything positive to say to you, which is I think just yeah. fascinating. That's that Isn't that weird?
1: Isn't that weird how it works? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. I think it's, a, it's beautiful. I think it's a beautiful thing.
2: Now I appreciate <laughs> the, uh, the, the the introduction, champ. The honors are uh, all on this end for you allow
1: me to join you in this conversation so yeah i wanted to um i wanted to invite you to share what you perceive as kind of your trajectory if you will um until i read your bio um i didn't realize that um there was this what did what did I read the psychology and media intersection piece that that affinity for media is something I share, um and I talk about it a lot um and psych was my major for a long time until I switched off. And so I have this affinity for both of these topics. And so to see them blended in your work was really fascinating to me. And I'm curious just to hear more about what are some of those pivotal pieces in your journey that kind of pushed you toward this particular passion mm-hmm. in, in the work that you do?
2: yeah um likewise when I saw uh you being a master of uh all things hip hop studies and and a, and a true historian I, I got excited about the opportunity to, uh, to pick your brain uh as well um I guess you know long story long um I grew up in 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 shout out to my dad let me just say that i feel I'm, my my dad is on my mind at this moment um so shout out shout out to him Lamar sims you raised. I put five kids through college. Uh, nobody went to jail. Nobody, uh, you know, black kids in the hood. Nobody. You know, he 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 did it. He and my mother. Um, but shout out. Shout out to you, dad, in this moment. But what what I think I'd start, you know, the trajectory as is growing up as a kid, suburb, uh, suburban Chicago. They were my, my folks. And so they and we were, you know, really conservative uh, Christianity, like. White Jesus Mm. on the walls, Uh, and you know I'll be forty three this year. So you know my birthday, my actual birthday is right around when most people would start, like the beginning of of hip hop, formally speaking. Mm -hmm. You know, late seventies. But I didn't grow up with hip hop because my folks were like they were not having that shit. Like we did not listen to any black cultural music outside of you know, uh, the gospel Mm -hmm. tradition at all. So growing up for me was not, I didn't didn't grow up with LL and, and, uh, you know, leaders of the new school and tribe and any of those, you know, I I didn't grow up with that. I came to hip hop actually once I was almost already grown, like when I went away to college. That's when I really started to really engage, you know, outside of like the radio, radio stuff. Um, And it was like, you know, just like a mind expansion sort of uh, period for me, like coming in contact with all this amazing creativity and, and innovation and just the cultural uh, wonder of all of this music that had, you know, again, at that point really started to accumulate that I was sort of engaging retroactively at the same time as, you know, the, the what folks refer to as the culture is moving forward right so it's like things are getting newer but i'm going in a retro period because i hadn't heard any of that stuff like the first time you know what i mean uh outcast i remember uh, i didn't hear uh southern playalistic cadillac music yeah i didn't didn't hear that until like years after it had dropped Mm -hmm. um which is crazy because i was old enough to have that album like i had friends who were listening to the music when it came out anyway again long story long um the mind expansion, it took a while for me to get my bearings. And in the beginning, I really had, um, you know, so so, so, I'm becoming uh, more and more, you know, intellectual. I'm starting to think critically uh, about, you know, culture and society and, and stuff. At the same time as I'm really getting serious about engaging in the music. Um, and it occurred to me at some point that you know, so that that there weren't that that there were a lot of people who were doing that. Um, and the commercial side of the recording, you know, music industry and the intellectual side uh, of scholarship and inquiry around culture. They were not at all together. Oh. They had no, almost nothing to do with each other. I, I remember being a, a first year uh, graduate student and. Um, I wrote this essay. Uh, I think it was on it was on, on Jay Z, and I sent it to one of the online, um, uh, you know, websites. The hip one of the online hip hop websites at the time. Right, really, really honestly, there were only two: all hip hop and Hip Hop DX. I remember I sent this essay to one of the editors of Hip Hop DX. He emailed me back almost immediately. Was like, "Yo, this is amazing. We're gonna run it tonight. If it does numbers, you know, we'll see about bringing you on." Um, so I started writing feature articles and then eventually doing uh, artist interview and album review and all this stuff for HipHopDX.com. Shout out, you know, to them. I, I got into the quote unquote industry as somebody with this much knowledge and history about hip hop. So I was good mm-hmm. at thinking, but I didn't know shit about shit. Mm-hmm. And that's what sort of brought put the light, you know, made the light for me go on like, yo, if I'm writing Scholarly intellectual stuff about hip hop, but I don't know hip hop. I bet you it's a lot of other motherfuckers out here who are doing exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, me and some of the folks that I was working with, um, we started a, a nonprofit called the Hip Hop Journalism Association, uh, HHJA. Um, and the goal, the mission of this organization was to connect the scholarship side of hip hop study, it wasn't even called hip hop studies at that time. This was too early. This is like 2000 and man, this is like 05 06. There was no hip hop studies. There were not certificate programs. You couldn't go get a degree. Yeah, it was just like it was it was it was on the, the it was trending up. Anyway, the goal was to connect folks like that with folks who actually like know about from a lived experience the 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 culture and the music and the the such um, so did that um, finished grad school you know started you know life as a junior faculty member designed a course called uh, psychological perspectives in hip hop uh, shout out to psych five ten this is at North Carolina uh, Agricultural and Technical State University uh, designed this course um you know had some success it, it got some uh you know some awards and accolades i remember being contacted by harvard at the time had a hip-hop um archive and they put uh-huh. our course in the in the in the harvard's hip-hop archives and uh you know we had some some you know relatively big names come through and and speak to my students the goal of that course was to uncover some of the psychology behind the the music business particularly the lyrics so Mm -hmm. at this point i'm i'm starting to sort of you know like think about my journey towards uh african consciousness while i'm you know still very much embedded in this this conversation around hip-hop which most of which you know was how do you explain the the harsh Brash, obviously problematic, you know, aesthetics of music that's bitches this and hoes that and killing this and if it's not killing or bitches, it's killing the bitches. So you know, the question is like, how? How do you? How? And my answer at that time was, well, hip hop is a extension and a reflection of you know, oppress oppression on black and brown folks of course you're going to get problematic spewings if you you know people have been uh problematized that that was my answer um so i'm teaching this course and everything's going well i'm still doing i'm still i'm still writing and and it's becoming more and more um uh successful from a popularity and commercial standpoint but what starts fucking with me is like it's just not adding up um it wasn't until uh, I read a book, uh, a former friend of mine, Doctor uh, Jared Ball's first book, "I Mix What I Like: A Mixtape Manifesto." Mm-hmm. Um, uh, anybody who's interested in hip hop scholarship at all should read this book. This book is amazing, um, mm-hmm. and, and Jared Ball's is a genius. Uh, but hang on, hang book- on! I know
0: you're going to go somewhere. Um, I know you're going to go somewhere amazing with this. But you I just want to name.
1: Because I already know what you about yeah, to say. Continue.
0: I didn't even need, I didn't even need to say it. Continue. Continue, Gemma. I mixed what I like. I missed
2: what why, why did you say you just want to name? Yes,
0: yeah, so I didn't even need to name it because Delma knew what I was gonna say. So you were like, yes. if anybody wants to know anything about hip hop, they should oh, read. Read the
2: book. Yes, read the book. <laughs>
0: yes,
1: Shanti. Yes, yes, yes. I'm gonna listen to the book.
0: Continue. Yeah. but book- <laughs> Just so so you know, I just want to name right now Jomo. He is going to edit that entire part out. So when you listen to the whole. Yeah, 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 yeah. There it is. Continue. I apologize.
2: No, it's fine. Hopefully, I'm not rambling. Um, Like I said, long story long. um, What this book uh, did for me is it uh, gave me a theoretical framework that helped me do a better job for me of explaining what's happening here at an individual level, at a community level, at a macro level around hip hop. Um, And this book introduces or uses a framework known as uh, ICT, internal colonialism uh, theory, which is basically just a framework you may be familiar with, some probably many of our listeners are. But for me, I didn't know anything about it when I read this book. And so the notion of describing or articulating black folks in America as an internal colony just like t- made all the sense in the world, and it totally changed my my view of what hip hop uh, was. And so I shifted just in the, uh, over the course of re- pretty much reading that book, I shifted from you know hip hop is is black shit, and this is this is art, and this is wonderful. And yeah, maybe you know maybe we got to hurt a few sisters, and maybe we got to you know not love each other and not trust each other and battle each other at the roots. But, you know, ultimately it's blackness and it's beautiful. I went from that to hip hop is just a corporate extension of the same system that has destroyed, manipulated, raped, pillaged, destroyed African people for generations. This is just, this is Europeans being Europeans. Um, And so, you know, that moved me away from uh, a hip hop uh, or, or black American cultural framework. Uh, towards um what I might say I don't know people might disagree I might say a more authentic or more sincere uh, effort to um, embrace and understand you know um Africa and African cultural um stuff because as so-called African Americans right you know I, you, we, we might we could debate about the Americans are we Americans but we can't argue about the Africans so, um, you know, Africa predates all of this. Like, we are not the product, in my view, we are not the product of an American system. Like, we are not Americans. Like, we're Africans who have been forced into this American um, scenario. And so looking at it like that has, has done wonders, um, obviously, for untold others, but for me uh, as well. And so... Uh, where I am right now, personally, professionally um, is really sort of just an extension of that trying to and I really resonated with what you were um, saying, Shandine. And let me just pause for a second to say, wow, I didn't realize like your this past week was that uh, that heavy for you. And it made me really, um, like I said, feel uh, what, what what you've been going through. But um, yeah, yeah. So I think the the trajectory that I'm on now is like how to, uh, maintain a sense of, um, uh, my responsibility and my promise as an African in the context of, of America, as we know. Uh, and so that, I mean, I could, I could give you more details on that, but that's, that's the, that's, that's the broad sort of strokes on it.
1: in having the space to try something new. I'm interested in having the resources to build something different from the ground up. This is my imaginary, quasi-utopian space that I'm envisioning. And one of the things I always invite guests to do is to say, okay, when you think about your passion, when you think about where where you come into the world and what you bring to the conversation and what you bring to the communities you move in, If I were to say to you, all right, come on in. Here's a blank check. What do you want to contribute? What do you want people to understand? What is it you want to see made manifest in this kind of space where resources aren't an issue for you for once? You could just do your thing. All right. Your background in, in media studies, your background in hip hop, your background in psych, Merge all of that and and give us that gift. What is that gift that you're bringing into that mm. space that we can all benefit from? Um, wow, that's a, that's a big
2: question. Uh, I know, right? <laughs> so, no, that's a good one though, and that's 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 dope. I think on your part um, to even have like that sensibility to ask that type of question because so much of our like lived experience has just been created for us so that even when like here we are like people as people of African descent like we're talking to each other in this European tongue you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: like if you, understand, even if you understand the first thing about language it's it's connection to cognition like the language matters for the ideas and the thoughts so if you're using a language that means the ideas are in tow so it's like we can't really actually truly think right without the language that we're supposed to have. So your your question is like, let's try our best to think outside of all of that. And I and I just want to commend you. I think that's that's a super dope impulse. Um, my answer would be something having to do with. What we now refer to as metaphysics, Um, you know, as an educator uh, and like someone who's been interested knows a thing or two about psychology. And I and I don't and I I literally mean a thing or two. I mean, like I always joke and tell my students my degree is actually in white supremacy. Psychology, as co-opted by the Europeans, is not the way that African people have understood the mind and the understandings of human behavior. That's a fact. Um, So, taking you know what Dr. Wade Nobles refers to or has you know referred to as the Saku. right? So, psychology is not is not the Europeans don't have an ownership or an origin uh, with psychology they came to Africa, they came to Kemet, and they stole these concepts. So the Saku in the Greek becomes Psyche. In psychology, they credit to William Wundt in 1870. This is madness. The Africans, like our people, have been studying the mind in in Saku for thousands of generations. So my understandings of that would lead me, have have led me to this fascination with, with metaphysics. The physical world, as we understand it, in my view, has also been created. It's not just the it's not just the constructs. It's not just gender that they've created for us. It's not just um, you know uh, the social constructs like police brutality, housing, uh, you know, mass incarceration, immigrant. All of these are very very real issues, and I'm not undermining or minimizing them to any degree. But that's not the final level that we have to be concerned about as human beings to uh, the, the human experience transcends the social. It transcends our physical awareness. And, and if, if I had no r- resource constraints or barriers, that is what I would be trying to bring the conversation to amongst our leading thinkers and amongst our children is appreciating the fact that the physical is not the ultimate. And I don't mean, like, church on Sunday. Shout out to people who go to church on Sunday. I don't mean, like, religious, spiritual, uh, uh, that conversation. I mean, basic physical understandings have to be uh, uh, relooked at if we're serious about uh, being fully human. Um, Everything from how we see the world. So, um, you know, like... Literally, like the maps. The maps have been created by white folks for the, the, They show us the world the way they show it to us on purpose. Our our understandings of everything from gravity to uh, the you know the rotation around the sun, like the solar system, uh, thermodynamics, wind system, like all of that. There's 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 amazing things to be understood about I think the nature of reality from a re-investigation of some of the, um, so sort of some of the more fundamental aspects of physics. And so, um, and what's crazy is that sounds to many people to be like, whoa, I don't know this guy. I mean, I have students who literally like just like disengage when I start talking like that. Reality is go back and read Einstein. Like Einstein was on that. You read the early Europeans who were about like, you know, like uh, quantum mechanics and And Niels Bohr, Bohr, uh, however you name it. Um, And today you're uh, Michio Kaku and uh, Stephen Hawking. The physics, the vanguard of understanding physics is like, yeah, all that social behavioral stuff. That's that's rudimentary. The physical equations can help us understand like life itself. And so sorry, that's my long answer. I would say let's start let's start talking about more of that. That's what I see, Delma. That is not being talked about by our racial justice institutes, our commissions on equality and equity and diversity. Like they don't ever want young black children to see the universe from an indigenous standpoint. They don't. They they never ever bring any of that in. And I'm saying we need to start talking about that. Not necessarily at the expense of the social behavioral. But but that's a that's the huge that's a gaping absence, in my view, is like what's happening outside of the, 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 the confines of what we've been shown. Maybe there's more to it. And I realize this is the, the you know, the, the, this is basically the matrix metaphor. And that might be played for some. But I feel like that still hits really hard. If your reality is created by somebody else, what's outside of it? And that's that's the question. That's the conversation that I would really beg.
0: I appreciate um, you not pulling your punches and leaning into the the answer of that. So I just want to say that first. I also did a little bit of math. You said you were 42 or yeah. going to be 42 or going to be 43. Okay. So you're 42. Your bio says over 15 years of faculty. So minus 15, that puts you at 27. Minus however many years it takes to get your doctorate, maybe you wrapped your master's into it, and then like bachelor's-ish. So it feels like it was academic institution, academic institution, academic institution. Maybe there was a break in there somewhere, and my math is a little bit wrong, Um like, but whatever happened between 18 and 27 has to have been years of schooling, at least unless you were like the genius child, which I'm not saying you aren't and got your, you know, doctorate at Doogie Howser level. Um, you probably don't know who that is because half like Delma wow. talked about his first tape. I can wow. talk about my eight track. Yeah. You all probably wow. don't even know eight tracks or even have what them. What are you talking but about? Whatever. I
2: can't, I can't go eight track with you, but I know I know Doogie
0: Howser. Thank you. Um, And so... As you've been navigating these, it feels like not primarily, but a lot of these, a lot of these um academic spaces, talking about what you've been talking about now all the way through, knowing that when you're like some of my students don't want to hear that, and I know it's hard for them to understand, and 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 racial justice institutes or racial justice spaces are talking about this and this and and how and when you are frustrated and when you are struggling for folks to hear you and see it and understand it, how does that manifest itself in your, mm. as as um, like w- what is it like when you're at your quote unquote lowest self? Mm. And I say that because I don't believe that I'm not, I'm not judging your lowest self. I'm not, I'm just inviting you to share with us, like when it gets tough, what does that look like for you?
2: Um, I appreciate the question. Uh, I also appreciate you fact checking my transcript. I didn't realize I was going to have to like provide a blood sample in my <laughs> <laughs> uh, you Well, sorry. the reason
0: we need the blood sample for guests. our listeners. I,
2: mean, I guess it's not really like guests. I think, I guess it's more like, who are you? I see? Like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. I think my lowest is when I tend to see folks who don't share my perspective or quote unquote, know what I know. As. Individuals to be managed or manipulated or or dealt with in some sort of way for some higher level strategy or end
0: outcome. Give me an example. Show us what that looks like. Paint the picture for someone who like, what would that look like? Sorry, Delma, is that what you were? saying? That's
1: exactly what I was going to ask. Perfect.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got
2: I got a lot of examples. So. Uh, In the professional space. Right. So uh, like, you know, having a startup without any business, um, you know, like bona fide business uh, uh, experience or or education um, is like when you find people that aren't on what you're on, they cease to have the potential of being like a collaborator partner stakeholder and they start being somebody who can be an asset or a liability and you start to it's it's easy for me to think about people in that way is this somebody that can help Jomo works or is this somebody that you know is is useless or perhaps potentially a threat Mm -hmm. and I feel like once once I start doing that and I do that almost every day but once I start doing that Then I, I, you know, fall into the 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 real pattern, I think, of white supremacy, which is dehumanization. I think at the core, like they're just about taking and denying our humanity. So you're trying to run a business, maybe some of that has to be done. you got to see people as customers. you got to see resources as assets, liabilities. I don't know. Maybe there is no way to do capitalism in a in a humane way. But that's my first example. Another would be on the famil- on the uh, familial happens in my family. Hang on, All hang on, time. hang
0: on, hang on. I'm not convinced that's necessarily like petty. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Reducing a
2: reducing person, person to what they can do or be for you, I feel like is it's pretty fucking petty. That's mm. pretty <laughs> shitty. That's, okay. That's, that's okay. Show forward. me.
0: So what does that? What does that look like? I I don't call people back. I say, fuck you, and I take you off my list. I blah, blah, blah. Like, and then, like, and then process that shit with us. What is like, in an attempt to humanize what it is as we navigate dehumanizing? Uh,. I think I think you in don't general, have to share it's too much no, you don't have to name not, the name not, you don't I, have to I was be.
2: gonna tell you I was gonna t- I was gonna put names and faces on something that just happened but I won't I won't do that but it, but I can' still give you the same example it's when you okay. see when you see yourself relative to others based on like the commercial value of their of who they are that's it so so I've been I've been uh you know making moves or whatever long enough to where I remember being, like you said, people not calling you back or answering your call. I remember when it was like, you know, I was making the calls. I was trying to get people to talk to me or to, you know what I'm saying, on some level engage with me. There are folks that I perceived as being higher up or more whatever that I was trying to be down with. Right. And now it's like I know who those people are that see me like that. And you. It's like, even though I remember being them, sometimes I still don't got time for that call. Sometimes that person, you know, I might make a commitment to that person that I can't really keep because I got just too much. I'm overcommitted. So I think that would be my example, Shandine, is like, I'm mm-hmm. in So in the, uh, uh, the first uh, Dark Knight, um, Harvey tells uh, Bruce, you know, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I feel like he, that's, that sort of captures this. It's like, damn, how did I become the guy who, you know, I I know, I know I should, I know I should have time for this brother. Like he needs help. I can help him, but I'm just too, I got to do this proposal. I got to do this, whatever. And this genuinely organic, humane thing that I would actually really like to do doesn't end up happening because I got different priorities. That's fucked I up for that. him. People, if, 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 if there, there, there are a couple key people in my life trajectory, if they treated me like that, I don't know how things would have went for me.
0: It's definitely hard sometimes for our, some of our guests to talk about what is that petty look like? How does it manifest itself? I, I was just on a call with a, a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, Fernando, and we were talking about, um, when that shows up how how awful it is and how do we engage with it so for example I have a sister in New Mexico who asked um, to talk to me about trying to start a tribal college not not funded by the government but like by Pueblo people for Pueblo people and she texted me like do you want to do that and I was like yeah, but in my brain of like a little bit comparing to what not comparative, but just pulling on some of the strings that you were talking about. I'm busy. I'm doing all this stuff, this stuff, this stuff, this stuff. I actually sent a message to the person who helps me with my scheduling saying, hey, can you help set up a meeting between me and and this person? You know, and I put my sister's name and email address. My sister texts me and she's like, did you farm me out to your secretary? I swear to you, my heart just dropped, right? No compassion for self that like, yeah, it is hard. Yes, it is busy. Yes. And like, I had no ability to say, fuck, like, yes, that's like, it's human of me. I, there was no forgiveness for me. I just raked myself over the whole fucking coals in the middle of the like petty and, and like doing everything I can to, you know, make that right. And so um, I appreciate you naming it in the way that that you did. Um, and I just, um, I'm going to pass it back to Delma because he's going to bring us home full circle. And I just want to say what a gift it's been for you to spend some time with us, for you to um, agree with me for the most part. I'm going to ignore that last little rant that you gave there and hope that Delma cuts that piece out. Um, and I'm just grateful. So thank you. I'm looking at I'm looking at Delma's face. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the shade has been thrown far and wide and I just really want to thank you both for that um it's been beautiful um Joma I'm like I said anytime you spoke there were at least 12 13 different things I wanted to kind of veer into and um for that reason, I love to publicly um, offer to invite you back, <laughs> hoping that by putting you on the spot, it'll make you more likely to agree to come back. Um, but you have to say it out loud. Nobody's gonna see what you did with your hand. You coming back, I'll, right? I'll, now.
2: You know, I'll have my, I'll, I'll have my people. You know, have your people call my people. <laughs> see, that's
1: um, that, that's that have, bullshit. Have your-
2: yeah,
1: have <laughs> your people
2: call Sean Bean's people, who can then call my people, and then we'll see. No, no commitments. I don't even even want to do that <laughs> It's already you, you already. It's, nah, it's you too late already now. done. Done. No,
1: nah, it's nah. too late now. I don't <laughs> want you. I don't even want you on the show no more. <laughs> listen, hey, listen. Man, I nah, didn't get to say this at the
2: outset. It. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Nah, I didn't nah, get nah. to say this at the outset.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I know. I know how hard it. Is. I, I appreciate you both for doing this. I know this is a labor of love. It's you know, you all have things to really you know do, and the fact that you've made um, you know this into a thing, like kudos for you for the vision and uh, the conviction to to do it and to do it at a high level. So I appreciate you all making the space. Like I said, I'm a big fan. Uh, the podcast in general. It's truly an honor to be on. If y'all want, if if I can come back, please consider it me like asking. It's a request. So appreciate you on this space and this energy.
0: Yeah. well we should give a little credit where credit's due it's really this was Delma's vision this was his what he's been wanting to do for a long time and we haven't quite celebrated at the end of our first season what we were able to accomplish because we were just so mm-hmm. fucking happy for a break <laughs> it was like great let's just fucking pause because this shit's hard it. it's a lot. Yeah, it's for this we don't know, get it, right like, like yeah, this right. is we're just trying to make this shit happen um, and the only reason I did it is because my son said you know You talk a lot of shit, mom, like put your money where your mouth is, essentially, Mm -hmm. like if you like if you if you want to make the change that you want to make, like, and you've got this person who you trust and you care for, do the damn podcast. And so but this really was his his dream. And I feel like we're we're clunky. And we're like we make so many mistakes. We can't ever get fucking squad cast to work. We can't get the mics to work. We can't will the lawnmowers going in the background and, and shit. But um appreciate uh the the compliment. But I do wanna nod, this was this was Delma's vision.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I
2: listen to a lot of I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, I will say I think you I think this is Dive in Justice is better than you may realize. Like you guys are really on to something special here.
0: Drive In Justice is a co-production of the Center for Whole Communities and Shoreline Consulting.
1: The Center for Whole Communities exists to build capacity at the individual, organizational and community level to deepen awareness, embrace differences and value relationships, thus making change possible.
0: Shoreline Consulting co-constructs solutions and strategies that align with your goals and leverages the voices, perspectives and wisdom of those who stand to benefit.
1: For more information on the Center for Whole Communities, find us at wholecommunities.org.
0: For more information on Shoreline Consulting, visit us on the web at thinkshorelines.com.
1: Dive in Justice theme song created by Nasir Thomas-Jackson. Doug Fearenstein is our audio engineer. Susanna McCanalis is our administrative support. Jenny Cotting and Soraya Yamada-Sapien help us out with marketing and promotions. Thank you all so much. Without your continued efforts, this show would not be possible.